What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Monday, August 9th. First draft in the books, baby. First draft in the books. Live draft, that is. I mean, I've been doing best balls and mock drafts and online stuff for months now, but the uh, first live draft in the books this past weekend in New York City for the Flex League. It was a super flex draft that I will talk about on today's show with some nuggets of strategy. I mean, I'm not dramatically shifting strategy in a super flex, but there are a couple key things, a couple inflection points that we have to focus on. So uh, I'll break down what I did and what I thought worked in this draft and how we can adjust to our opponents based on any draft. It doesn't have to be super flex. Uh, also, as you probably see from the title, I do want to talk a little bit about Michael Thomas as well. Yikes! Trouble in paradise and what we're doing with him uh, for our fantasy football drafts. By the way, to help you out with your fantasy football drafts, which you might even have one as early as this weekend, I have another this weekend. Actually, two in the same day. I will be doing a snake draft and an auction draft with the same group of people on the same day at the NFL Hall of Fame for the Kings Classic. That's a pretty awesome league right there. Uh, but uh, you might have them. So to help you out, Volume 3 of the game plan is now officially live over at FTNFantasy.com. Make sure you use the promo code RATPACK to get that maximum discount. It's a good thing. You don't, you don't want to do it without a discount. Let's just be honest. So that'll get you your discount, and you'll get access to that. That is my draft guide. I write a cover to cover. It is fully updated uh, with all the latest for you here, including updated rankings, projections, my draft boards for all four major formats, PPR, half-point PPR, non-PPR, and two-quarterback flex, which will or super flex, which we'll talk about today on this very podcast. So go check that out, ftnfantasy.com. And hey, if you get in for the whole season, you'll also get all the in-season content, which is phenomenal. Uh, the, the site continues to get better and better and better. Really proud of what we've been able to do over at FTNFantasy.com. So let's talk about Michael Thomas, because <laughs> this is not good. Uh, Jeff Duncan, who is over at NOLA.com, said that Thomas failed to return multiple calls from coaches and training staff over the course of the offseason. So that's not good. This would include Sean Payton, uh, wide receivers coach, a trainer for the team, and Thomas just straight up ghosted them all. So that's ugly. Uh, also, the team advised him to have surgery on the ankle essentially right after the season. So I'm assuming that would be February. I don't have the exact date, but I'm assuming it would like be a February procedure. He decided on his own uh, to try and rehab the injury and then ultimately get a second opinion. The second opinion was to have the surgery, which he, of course, then had in June. And then having the surgery that late obviously now puts... Well, he's on the active pup, and it puts the reserve pup on the table. The reserve pup, of course, is the PUP list for the regular season. You would have to miss the first six weeks. That does not do your team any good. It does not do your team any good. So Sean Payton actually talked about that and basically was vocal. It it was uh, transparency from an NFL coach. He said, we wish you would have had the surgery earlier. Well, uh, Thomas put out a tweet today, and uh, here's what the tweet says directly. Uh, on social media, they tried to damage your reputation. You saved theirs by not telling your side of the story. Cryptic, ambiguous. Uh, You know, one of those, 
this reminds me, do you remember, and, and it depends on how old you are listening to this. I know a lot of people who listen to this are kind of like in my age group. So you're either like a young Gen X or, or like a, a like an old millennial, right? You might be outside of those groups, but regardless, do you remember when social media like first started to blow up a little bit, like MySpace, right? And then early Facebook. People used to do this crap all the time where they would put up like a, like a, a cryptic uh, a post and, and then it, you know, basically was to like draw attention to them. Like, you know, what's wrong? Uh, right. This just happened all the time. And that's what I got from this. Like, okay, Michael Thomas, we, we see he, he's not happy. We, we know he's not happy. This is nothing new. You know, he was go back to last year. It was already it was already beneath the surface, right? He has the record breaking year, and then there was all sorts of talk about how he he was not exactly happy. Well, I guess that hasn't gone away, and last year certainly didn't help the cause. You know, good performances on the field have a tendency of of erasing these sorts of memories, right? They do, not always, but they do. And last year, it, it, it was just an, it was a lost season. He was banged up for the entire year. Obviously so banged up that it required surgery. And so the key takeaway here is this isn't going anywhere. Michael Thomas has an issue, and this issue may not get resolved. Now, holding out beyond the injury would cost him big time, but what happens if Michael Thomas is pupped and then is not activated within time after the stint on the pup expires. So if you're not familiar, you probably know the six-week thing, but beyond the six weeks, uh, he is, you know, the player is allowed to return to practice, uh, but they do have, basically, they have a five-week window after that. So you could, you could technically not return to practice even in week seven. After the five weeks, you have to either be back in practice, you have to be put on injured reserve, or you have to be released. Now, I think that's the least likely that's going to occur. But even then, if you return to practice and then can't get onto the active roster within three weeks, uh, you then have to go to injured reserve. So is there a possibility that he is pupped and then doesn't get healthy? And I'll use air quotes there. I mean, yes, there's a very real possibility. So we can't draft this dude. At this point, I don't care if you think he's a great value. I can't I can't get behind drafting him at all uh, at this point in, in leagues. Now, we are hearing some buzz about Marquez Callaway. I don't think – I think we'd be getting a little ahead of ourselves to move him into consideration in redraft leagues at this point. Obviously, he should be rostered in dynasty leagues. But because Traquan Smith is banged up, because Michael Thomas is not out there, Callaway has kind of been the guy, at least at wide receiver. But remember, this is a team where you could have – a running back and tight end as the top two targets, and Cali would be the number three. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk some super flex strategy. So as I mentioned, this past weekend, we were in New York City with a whole bunch of people from the industry drafting, having a great time. Uh, it was it was awesome to see everybody in person uh, this is the first time I saw industry people in in like a year and a half in person, so it was really great. But it was also incredibly challenging. Anytime you have to draft against a, a room full of people who know exactly what they're doing, you're not going to get any breaks. There was no weak link in this draft. A lot of times in our home leagues, we have a couple folks who are like, yeah, that's, that's kind of like, yeah, that's a gimme right there. Gimme putt when they're on the board, uh, but not in this league, not in this league. So 
My general strategy for any draft is early on, I want to attack for value, upside, and especially with the first three picks, I want to minimize as much risk as I can possibly minimize. You know, and it's it's a hard thing to do, but I want to minimize risk. On top of that, in a super flex, I want to wait until at least 10 quarterbacks have been drafted before I address the position. That is not going to occur at the same time in every super flex draft. Every super flex draft is going to be slightly different. And I do think that's actually really beneficial to you if you're thinking about going that route. It really does change up the early rounds of the drafts and it makes things a little bit more wide open, which I think is is fun. It almost reminds me of how drafts used to be for me like 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when there was a lot of people in leagues who didn't know what they were doing in my home leagues. Now, generally speaking, most people know what they're doing. It was really wide open back then. And, and it just isn't now in a one-quarterback league. Well, this kind of opens things back up. So you never quite know what to expect. Now, uh, by the way, I threw this out here on, on Twitter, at Jeff Rackliff on Twitter, but my recommendations for your league size. If you're in a 10-team league, don't go super flex. Just go two-quarterback. There's enough quarterbacks to go around so that everybody has a backup who's a starter. If you're in a 12-teamer, there aren't, so go super flex. You know, At least give that flexibility in case you get screwed over. If you're in a 14-teamer or a larger, just stay at one quarterback. Uh, it, it becomes more detrimental to add a Superflex in that a league of that size. Like The whole point of Superflex is that in this era of football, there are 20-plus viable starting quarterbacks. But if you think about it, you'd be 28 in a 14-team league. And in a 16-teamer, you'd have 32 quarterbacks. You're already screwed on, on bye weeks as it is. It becomes more detrimental than what it's worth. So one quarterback for, for leagues of that size, there, there really isn't a problem to be solved in those size leagues, but in a 12-team or a 10-team, there is. Now, if you're in an 8-team league, I'm not going to make fun of you. I think the era of making fun of 8-team leagues is, is over. You just have to do it the right way. If you want to make an 8-team league very competitive, add more starting spots. So my suggestion for people in 8-team leagues is to go 3-quarterback. Not 2, 3. Think about it. Three quarterbacks, that's still only 24 starting quarterbacks in your league. Everybody could still have a backup who's a starter. Go three quarterback. That's a lot of fun in that in that style. But this is a 12-teamer, was a super flex. And so my objective, like I said, to wait until 10 quarterbacks have been drafted to address the position. It often allows me to form what I call my triangle offense, borrowing from you know Phil Jackson and all that fun stuff. But the triangle offense is some combination of one running back and two wideouts, or two running backs and one wideout in the first three rounds. This draft was a little bit unique, though, because I was in the 12 hole. So first round, six quarterbacks are drafted before me. I'm not going to go through every pick, but I, I'm sure you probably want to know the first round. So here it is. Mahomes. McCaffrey, Josh Allen, Zeke. Yeah, Zeke went as the second running back off the board. Kyler, Dal Cook, Lamar, Dak, Russell Wilson, Derrick Henry, and then Devontae Adams went right before me. So for me, it was pretty easy. Camaro was still on the board. He was my basically my number three player that I would take in this draft. So I took him. And why I say my number three player that I was going to take in this draft is because even though I have Mahomes ranked as a first rounder, I'm not going to take a quarterback in the first round. You don't always have to follow rankings to the letter of the law. So my number three running back, easy. 
Then, instead of taking another running back, because I could have very well taken Aaron Jones, who I have next on my board uh, at the position, I knew that, you know, on the comeback, chances of me landing an elite player were basically non-existent because I probably wasn't going to go after a tight end, and I figured that the tight ends would be gone there anyway. So I grabbed Tyreek Hill. I grabbed a guy from my elite wide receiver tier. Notice, I didn't just strictly follow rankings, but I had a plan in place. So um, sitting here, Kamara and Tyreek Hill. The next round, second round, only two more quarterbacks go, Herbert and Rodgers. Then Tannehill is the only quarterback to go in the third round before it comes all the way back to me. At that point, 10 wideouts have been drafted, 13 running backs, three tight ends. I was right. All three of them went nine quarterbacks. That was a pivotal point for me because I looked at it and I said, I'm going to, you know, I want to wait until 10 quarterbacks are off the board. But because I was in that unique swing spot, there was the risk of if I pass on quarterback here, we've all done this, right? You play chicken with the draft, like, well, if I if I let him go, it'll come, it will come back to me, right? The dude never, the player or position or whatever you're looking for never comes back to you. If you if it does, you're really freaking lucky, and especially when you have to wait two dozen picks for it to come back. So what I did is I wanted to grab another top twelve receiver because I still had I had two guys that were top twelve on my board still left. So I grabbed Allen Robinson, and then I grabbed Matthew Stafford as the number 10 quarterback. So I usually wait until 10, but given the unique situation and also given the the folks I was drafting against, I wanted to address the position. So I get Stafford there. Now, only three more, oh no, four more quarterbacks go after that. Brady, Lawrence, Burrow, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, we did have a bunch of running backs, but I knew I wasn't going to address running backs in this range. This is the dead zone range. So guys like Dobbins, Edward Delaire, Monty, Swift, Henderson, Carson, ETN, Sanders. I don't want any of those guys because it's the dead zone. So I ended up going with Chris Godwin as wide receiver 20, which was nice little value for me. I've met wide receiver 17, so that was nice. And then I took Kirk Cousins. I went very safe. I went very safe, but you're going to see in a second that I went hyper aggressive with my third quarterback. Uh, after that, scooping some more value at wide out. So my race to the flex spot, I grabbed Kenny Galladay in round seven. Now, what what I mean by like race to the flex spot, my goal is to uh, to really have three in in this instance the way this draft unfolded to have th- uh, four that is not three four top twenty wideouts and Galladay was wide receiver twenty. I'm not worried about the injury. It was a mild injury, especially if you watch the video. And um, I get him at wide receiver twenty nine. Now, I was close to taking Trey Sermon, but he went the pick before me, so Galladay was easy. And at this point, we are in round eight. In the first four rounds, you had Kelsey go in the second round, Kittle and Waller in the third round, Pitts and Hawkinson in the fourth. Mark Andrews was still there, so it was a no-brainer for me to just scoop up my tight end in that spot. I don't love Mark Andrews, but I could not pass up the value. So getting value on Godwin, getting value on Galladay, getting value on Andrews. Round nine rolls around, and on the 9-10 turn, at at 10, I guess you could say, I took Leonard Fournette. It could be nine. It doesn't really matter the order you take him in. He was running back 33. Like I had said, I had Sermon right in my my sight, Uh, but he was running back 30 in round seven, so only a few more running backs went in between him, Zach Moss and, and Raheem Mostert, before I take Fournette. I don't love that, but you know what? How does that sound, though? Camara, Fournette, eh. 
Tyreek Hill, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay. Not too shabby. Mark Andrews. Not too shabby, right? Um, but here's where things get sexy. I also took Deshaun Watson in this range. And the thought process was pretty simple. If Watson plays, he will dramatically outplay being quarterback 28. He will give a healthy return on investment. If he doesn't play, okay, I cut his butt loose, right? He go if he doesn't play. And we'll kind of know that by the time the season starts. So at this point, uh, you know, ordinarily I take Zach Wilson as my third quarterback. I wait until 24 or off the board, and then I take Zach Wilson. Well, Elliot Chris beat me to that, my uh, colleague over at FTN. And um, in fact, uh, it, it kind of went very quickly. So when I took Andrews, there were only 20 quarterbacks drafted. By the time it came back to me, Watson was the 28th. So you don't want to mess around too long in that range. I took a shot on, you know, I swung for the fences on this one, knowing who I was drafting against. I swung for the fences. Now, rounding it out, it was a 16-round draft. Uh, I did have Tony Pollard, Henry Ruggs. So, you know, I don't have Zeke, but I'll shoot for the upside with Pollard. And if Zeke goes down, kitty up. Uh, Ruggs, and not that I would want to wish an injury on anybody. Uh, Ruggs, <laughs> you know, shooting for upside again. I took Evan Ingram in round 13 as the 17th tight end off the board. Uh, Gus Edwards in round 14, and uh, I had people giving me the finger when I took him. I had a lot of people angry at me, so you know it was a good pick at that point. He was hanging around the board too long. Rounded out with Washington football team because we had to draft a defense and Rondale Moore. All in all, executing my strategy, scooping value, minimizing uh, minimizing risk early on, and really just attacking the board and attacking with confidence, and I think that's all we have to do uh, to win on draft day. I'm pretty happy with the overall results, and uh, I think the strategy was effective yet again. So hopefully you can take something away from that for your home league drafts, and if you aren't in a, at least one super flex or two quarterback league, highly recommend it. It's a completely different game when you, especially when you consider draft day. Uh, so check that out. Of course, you want my super flex rankings and draft board. You can get them in the game plan volume three, baby. One more update will be coming in the middle of August here as we get into the heart of fantasy football draft season, the biggest fantasy football draft day of the year that weekend before Labor Day. Anyway, in the meantime, hit me up on Twitter at Jeff Radcliffe. And of course, slide into those DMs. A lot of people are doing that on Instagram. Hey, whatever it takes, man, slide into the DMs at Jeff Radcliffe. Of course, over at FTNFantasy.com, don't forget to use the promo code RATPACK to get that discount. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. Tomorrow's a good one, the draft day checklist. You don't want to miss that. All right, I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out. 